My friends, the gospel of the woman at the well is a beautiful and rich story, which has much to say to us at many different points in our lives. But this gospel has been around for a long time, and is often preached yearly during Lent. So you can find many excellent reflections on it all over the Catholic Internet, including and especially from Bishop Barron. Instead, today I think it is most appropriate that I speak extensively on the suspension of public mass, since that is the hard reality that each and every one of us is facing at the moment. Yesterday, I had a conversation with a woman who lived under a communist regime and who was thrown into prison for seven months just for defending and practicing her faith. She was angry and upset that masses had been canceled, and she could not understand how the priests in her country could have continued saying mass under threat by the government, but we here in the United States cannot continue saying mass under threat of an illness. Obviously, if anyone deserves an answer, it's her. But I know many of you feel the same way. We Christians always hold up the example of the martyrs from every country and every era who died for the sake of the gospel. We hold up the example of saints like Damien of Molokai or Teresa of Calcutta who served those marginalized by issues of health. And we wonder if somehow we are not living up to the example of these martyrs and saints. We wonder with the constant refrain that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, if this is worth the abandonment, even temporarily, of that center of everything we do as Christians. And I get it. And I hear you. And it is important that we address these questions in our hearts. To answer these questions, we first have to remember that the standard for everything in Christianity is love. If we do something out of love, we can be assured that we are at least on the right track, even if the details might get complicated. But if we do something based on any other standard, we may be using Christian language, but we are not following the standards set by Christ. So, what is love? St. Paul answers that question for us in our second reading. He says, But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love, it seems, is self-sacrifice. But not self-sacrifice just for those who deserve it, just for those for whom we have an affection. Love is self-sacrifice even for those who do not deserve it. Love is a complete and utter focus on the good of the other, no matter who that other is, no matter at what cost their good might come. 
Christ gave up his life for those of us who had abandoned him. This is the ultimate standard of love. Of course, we also have to determine what is the good of the other. Those who deal with drug addiction in their family, for example, have heart-wrenching stories of what love looks like. It does not look like being nice, playing along, or pretending that there is not a problem. When someone is in the throes of addiction, sometimes the most loving option is to stop enabling the addiction, to set a firm line, and even to enforce a standard that results in throwing them out of the house. But remember, distressing, tough love like this is still love. Love asks what the best possible thing would be for the other person, and then does it, no matter the cost. So in the case of a global pandemic, of a highly contagious disease spreading around the globe, what is the most loving option? What is the greatest good that we should pursue regardless of the cost? Well, first we have to ask who to love in these trying times, especially when it feels like one love might be in competition with another. The church in our times has spoken of a preferential option for the poor, meaning that the poor must be loved first because they are the most in need of love. In the case of the coronavirus outbreak, who are the poor? Who are the marginalized? Who are the most affected and most in need of love? Our scientists tell us that it is the elderly and the sick who are killed by this disease in far greater percentages than the rest of us, and in far greater percentages than with other common contagions. This is certainly the group that is on the mind of our Archbishop, who, in an email to priests on the day he suspended public masses, wrote, My decision is not only for the public welfare, but is also a preemptive move to help protect more and more of our people, especially the elderly and those with underlying health issues. Second, we have to ask, what is the greatest good for the elderly and the sick in this pandemic? Well, obviously to keep them from getting sick, but we know at this point that it is impossible to contain this disease entirely. So, lacking a complete containment, we are told that slowing down transmission is key to ensuring that our healthcare system does not become overwhelmed and giving us more time to work on a medical solution like a vaccination. So, it would seem that the most loving option, the greatest good that we ought to undertake, regardless of the cost, for the sake of our elderly and vulnerable neighbors, is to do whatever we can to slow the transmission of this disease.
And how do we slow the transmission of a highly contagious disease? By reducing and even eliminating public gatherings. Think about an infected person who does not know they are infected, like the COVID-19 patient who was at the Silver Reef Casino before being diagnosed. That person likely interacted with hundreds of new people and new surfaces, with the potential for transmission to every single one. Instead, by keeping gatherings to 10 people or less, we can minimize the damage that one unaware infected person might do to the wider population. And this is ultimately why our Archbishop and dozens of other bishops around the country now have felt compelled to suspend public masses. Because the more isolated we become for the moment, the slower this disease will spread and the more likely our elderly and infirm family, friends, and neighbors will make it through this health scare unscathed. I find the words of the Bishop of Dallas to be especially clear in why cancellations were in order, rather than just dispensations from the Sunday obligation. He said, Even if I dispensed the obligation, people would still agonize and want to come to Mass. I need to remove that anxiety for them to be at peace. And as the shepherd, I definitely want to protect my flock. But then we have to ask whether it is worth the cost. Yes, limiting gatherings is the most loving thing to do for our at-risk parishioners and neighbors. But Mass? The Eucharist? It almost seems like too much. My friends, I hear you and I get it. I just spent the last two months preaching about the Mass. I get it. There is nothing that can pair with the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, and the graces that come from offering ourselves to the Father through Christ in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. No private prayer at home, not even Eucharistic exposition and adoration in the Church, can compare with the Mass, which is the source and summit of our faith. But I would add this question. What would you give up to save your father or your grandmother from this disease? How far would you go? Under normal circumstances, I wouldn't include the Mass even in that question. We never choose anything over our Sunday obligation, because we never choose anything over the Lord. That one hour each week keeps us honest about where our priorities are. But in this case, our shepherd, our archbishop, has dispensed us from our obligation and told us that by staying home, we are not abandoning God. We are not committing idolatry. But we are actually engaging in a great act of love for God by engaging in a great act of love 
for our vulnerable neighbors. My friends, I would ask you to focus on this act of love over the next few weeks. Rather than concern ourselves with what we have lost, as difficult as it may be, let's focus on the love that underlies the loss, the love that has motivated this suspension of public mass. Let us pray for one another, for our health care workers, for all who have been and will be affected by this outbreak. Of course, we should still be honest. We should still give our hour each week to God to make sure that he is our top priority, to make sure that we do not fall away from him during this time. But for the time being, that weekly hour will not be the Holy Mass. Our churches will be open for prayer, which we have spread out to avoid large groups. You can find those times on our website. And online, you can also find many other prayer resources for Lent and beyond. My brothers and sisters in Christ, that parishioner who was arrested for her faith, and all who have made sacrifices for the faith and for the sake of the Mass, deserve an answer. Is this an act of cowardice, or is this an act of love? I firmly believe that it is an act of love. And our sacrifice, even of the holy sacrifice, will bring us grace. As long as we offer this time of privation up to our Father in heaven, just as we would normally offer ourselves when we celebrate Eucharist together. Please be assured of my prayers for you when I celebrate my private Mass each day. I continue to take your prayers and lift them up on the altar of God. And even if we are not together physically, nothing can separate us from and in Christ. Stay safe. Stay loving. And God bless.